Well, today we are uh, concluding our series, Is God? And if you remember, in week one, we talked about, Is God Angry? Last week, we talked about, Is God Judgmental? And uh, both of those are on our app, or you can look at them on the website if you missed them. And today, what I want to talk about is God cold-hearted. Is God kind of distant? And uh, I want to begin this morning by asking a question that maybe uh, many of you have thought about before that comes with this question of, is God cold-hearted? And the question is this, does God care? And so that's your first fill-in this morning. Does God care? And uh, for many of us, what we often think is that what happened was God just kind of jump-started the earth. And uh, he created you. And then he said, you're on your own, sucker. Good luck. And uh, that was kind of it. Kind of reminds me of a story when uh, I was a teenager. A group of buddies and I wanted to um, go golfing. And we wanted to have a day where we were going to be on the golf course. And uh, we were really excited about it. And the only problem was all of our parents were gone and uh, no one could take us. So one of my friends had this great idea. He said, I'll ask my grandma because a sweet little grandma would take some boys to the golf course. And so he picked up the phone. He called and said, hey, grandma, would you take us to the golf course? She said, well, I can't take you, but if you get there, I'll bring you back. And so we're like, hey, we're halfway there. Four teenage boys. We're like, man, this is going to be good deal. This is all going to work out. And then I had this brilliant idea. Um, my sister owed me, okay? She owed me a favor. And uh, I called her up. And I said, Lise, uh, you owe me this favor? She goes, yeah, yeah, I do. I said, can you take us to the golf course? And she said, yeah, I will. And she took us there. We played golf all day. It was awesome. The weather was wonderful. Everything was great. And then at the end, we went up to the clubhouse. And this was the day before cell phones, okay? So uh, for those of you in your 20s right now, there was a day where you had a phone on a wall. And you had to pull it off. And we had to go up and we had to ask them, can we use your phone? And so we used the phone. And my buddy called his grandma. And his grandma was a loud talker. Um, Any of you have loud talking? Don't do it if they're here, okay? But uh, uh, she was a loud talker. And I could hear over the phone. And he said, hey, grandma, uh, we're done golfing. Would you come and uh, pick us up? We're ready for you to do that. And uh, she said this, no. And she's like, well why not? And she said, I'm not picking you up. But grandma, he, he went on to say, it's seven miles to get to our house. And we're going to have to carry all of these golf clubs there. And there was this long pause that took place on the phone. And we're thinking to ourselves, the sensitive side of grandma has come and all is well. And like, things will be good. And then she said this, I don't care. You're on your own. I'm not picking you up. And she hung up the phone and that was it. And the four of us carried golf clubs seven miles to his house. And this is all I want to say to all of you who are grandmas. We love you and you're wonderful. But if you ever do that, God will bring lightning into your life. I mean, there God will strike you down. Now, 
Seriously, I share that story because it's one that I remember in my life because it was unbelievable to think that someone could be that cold-hearted, especially as a grandma. And the truth is, is that some of us, sometimes when we look at God, those words we think about, he doesn't care, you're on your own, I'm not going to pick you up. If you fall, if something happens, you're on your own, I'm not going to pick you up, I don't care. And Sometimes this happens. We pray for something and we pray and we pray and the prayer come, goes unanswered. Or we see suffering or injustice that is taking place around us and it happens again and again and again and it just seems like God knows nothing. Or something tragic or horrible happens to us or someone we love and we start to think, God, why didn't you do anything? God, you're big enough, you're powerful enough to move in the midst of this, but you chose not to do anything. You could have done something, God, but you didn't. Maybe you're in a place like that today. I mean, if the truth were told, even though it's Mother's Day, you think about a prayer in your life that you've been praying for maybe days or weeks or months or years, and it's gone unanswered again and again And again, maybe for others of you, you've been asking God to work in a particular relationship in some way, and it's not working. Maybe for some of you, you've got some pain or loss, or you're battling an addiction, or you're dealing with some habit that you're struggling with right now. And the truth is that in the midst of all of this, you are going to church You're trying to do the best that you can. You're trying to honor God the best that you know how. And yet you wonder to yourself, where is God? Where is God and does God care? Where is God and does he care? Well, the good news is we're not the first people to ever ask these questions And we're not the first ones to ever struggle with this. People during Jesus' day had these same questions and struggled as well. And this morning, I want us to look at a story in the Bible in which I think it will help us to kind of think through these questions of where is God and does he care? Because sometimes we wonder that. Where are you and do you care? And the story is found in John chapter 11, and you can read along. It'll come on the screen or it's in your program as well, or in your Bible. Now, a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and his sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured out perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. Lord, the one that you love is sick. Now, this is not just some random family that asked Jesus for help. This is a family that he knows very, very well. In fact, that phrase, the one that you love, it actually can be translated my best friend. So Lazarus was one of Jesus's best friend. And this was a family that he knew very well. They ate together regularly. They laughed. They cried. They experienced all kinds of things in life. Outside of his own immediate family, it was probably the person that, or the the family that he knew the best. 
These were people that were close. And if anything was ever going to happen, uh, they were sure that Jesus would show up. I mean, that was his best friend. And they would think to themselves, well, Jesus, we know you and we know what you can do. We've seen you do miracles and all kinds of powerful things. And we know in our time of need, if we had anything going on, that you would show up because that's what best friends do. That's what people do who love us. They show up in our time of need. They're prepared. They care because That's what a friend does. The weeks uh, leading up to my wife, uh, Jennifer, giving birth uh, to our two children were filled with tons of preparation. Um, You know, you have to paint the room and you got to put the crib together and no guy really knows how, at least a guy like me doesn't know how uh, to put the crib together. I had to uh, recruit other people to come in and help do that. And uh, you have to get all their, you know, clothes and you got to put their clothes in their little dresser the first time when they get home, what they're going to wear and all this kind of stuff. And, and so we were doing all of these things. But the most important preparation part was, was that when Jen, when Jen went into labor, I was supposed to be there and drop everything and be right there for her. No matter what was going on, I needed to drop it all to be there for her. And you know, when you love someone, when you care for someone, when they're going through something, you drop whatever it takes to be there for them. Plus, I knew that if I was not there for my wife, Jennifer, not only would there be a birth that day, there would be a funeral that day too. And uh, I showed up on time. I was right. I was like, whatever, you know, I'm here. I've arrived. And she's like, okay, that's a little too much. We don't need that much of you. Um, But that was it. Now, people that you love, folks, people you care for, your spouse, your kids, whoever it is, when something's going on, people that are best friends, when something happens in their life, you show up for them. And when you love people, you do that. And this was a family that Jesus loved. In fact, in verse 5, it tells us that explicitly. John says this, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Uh, He loved them. It's very clear. He had this great love. Then surprisingly, what we read next is this. So when Jesus heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was. How long? Two more days. Two more days. And then he said to his disciples, let us go to Judea. Now, at this point in the story, Jesus knows that there is an emergency that has taken place to this family, this family that he loves, this family that he cares for, this family that he has this huge relationship with. He knows this. And yet, He basically does nothing about it. In fact, he goes ahead and he goes two more days, two more days. And John tells us he doesn't even have an excuse. It's not like he had a meeting to go to. He wasn't doing some big teaching. He wasn't healing or helping someone else. He just doesn't show up. He does not show up. Now, what is interesting is that Jesus 
doesn't just wait. He actually waits until Lazarus is dead. He doesn't just wait a couple days. No, no, no. He waits until he's dead. And John writes this. He says these words. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I am glad I was not there so that you may believe. Believe? Believe what? Believe that you don't care about your friend? To believe that you don't really care about this family? To believe that you had better things to do than to go be with them? You'd rather be over there by yourself, praying by yourself than helping your best friend and the family? Well, after these two days, Jesus eventually goes back to Bethany. And it's interesting, he has three conversations. And that's what we're going to talk about today. The first conversation that he has is with Martha, Lazarus' sister. Now, I bet you know someone like this in your life. Martha was an extrovert. She was a type A kind of person. She was very direct, and uh, she just kind of told people the way that it was. She had no problem doing that at all. So it does not surprise me at all that in this story, she doesn't wait for Jesus to come to her. When Jesus arrives to Bethany, she comes out to him. And this is what she said, these words. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. I mean, I just love the honesty of her, right? Don't you? She's just very, very direct. God, if you would have been here, God, if you would have done something, in other words, you could have prevented this Jesus. You could have prevented his death from doing that. We've seen you do miraculous things. You know, sometimes the only faith that I can muster. Sometimes the only faith you can muster when you're going through something is simply to be honest enough with God to tell him exactly where you're at. Did you know that? That faith, folks, when it comes down to it, is a raw honesty. Now, I've heard people tell me before, they'll say, well, Chris, I just can't quite find faith or I can't have faith. Let me ask you this. Can you yell? Can you be honest? Can you express your feelings? Folks, anytime that you do that with God, you are expressing a sense of faith. And I wonder what your phrase would look like today. What would the phrase of your life look like today? God, if you would have been there, I wouldn't have lost my job. God, if you would have been there, my marriage wouldn't have failed. God, if you would have been there, my kids wouldn't have rebelled. God, if you wouldn't have been there, my loved one would not have died. God, do you care? Where are you? God, where are you? Do you care? Folks, I want to share a thought with you today. Some of you here in the auditorium, you might want to take a picture of the screen. For others of you, uh, do a screenshot. But I think this phrase is really powerful, and here it is. And it's this thought. If God always met your expectations, he'd never have the opportunity to exceed them. If God always met your expectations, he would never have the opportunity to exceed them. Let that sink in for a second. 
Let me kind of put it to you this way when it comes to this story. The fact is Jesus wasn't there. And Lazarus died. And the two sisters are grieving and mourning because of this loss. And yet in verse 22, Martha says this, but I know even now, Jesus, I know even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus, I still believe I know you can do this. But if the story stopped at verse 22, what happens is she still believes, but there's no hope. There's no hope whatsoever. Lazarus is still dead. But verse 23 comes and Jesus said to her, what does he say to her? It'll come up on the side screens. Jesus said to her, what? Your brother will rise again. Let's all say that out together. Your brother will rise again. For those of you that are on the stream, you might type it in. Something's going to rise again. I don't know what it is, but my brother is going to rise again, the text says. But something in my life is going to rise again. And then Martha is kind of confused. And she says, I know he's going to rise again in the resurrection in the last day. In other words, yeah, 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 Jesus, I understand. I know he's going to rise again when you come back, when those who are dead in Christ will be called to heaven. I know that, Jesus, I believe that. And Jesus is like, no, 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 no. I'm not talking about heaven or someday down in the future. I'm talking about right now. He's going to come back from the dead today. You thought, You knew what you wanted. You thought that what you wanted was going to be the best thing for you, but I'm going to do something better. Like you're asking for one thing, but I'm actually going to give you something better. And Jesus said this, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives and believes in me will what? Never die. Never die. Jesus is like, you think that the resurrection is this event. The resurrection is a person. The resurrection is not an event. The resurrection is a person. And Jesus said, I'm here right now. I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who comes to me will live. You'll live. Death no longer will have a grip on you, but now you will be able to live forever. And even though your physical body might die, you still will live. You can live with God forever in heaven because Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Folks, if God always met your expectations, he would not be able to exceed them in their life. Martha, think about it. Martha was just asking for healing. What did Jesus do? He brought resurrection. So today, I want to ask you, what is it in your life that you're facing that you're like, I just don't know where God is. I don't know if he cares right now. 
Whatever it is that you're facing, I want you to know that Jesus is more than you think he is. Jesus is much more than you think he is. And he wants to actually exceed your expectation. The question is, do you believe that? That's the question that Martha was asking. She was starting to wonder, I don't know. Can I trust him? Can I trust him? She's wrestling with this. Can I trust Jesus in the midst of this? Now, Jesus is talking to Martha when all of a sudden he looks around. He's like, somebody's missing. There's somebody here that should be here, but they're not here. Someone should be here that's not here. Uh, Who is that? Well, it's his other friend. It's Martha's sister, Mary. And Mary is the introvert. Mary is the one that is so overwhelmed and grieved by all of this, she can't even come to be there. She is actually in the house by herself, and she is mourning the death. She is so discouraged that she can't even talk with Jesus. You ever had that in your life before? Something in your life happens so dramatically that you think to yourself, you know what? I can't go to church. I can't be around a whole bunch of religious people right now. I can't pray. I can't read the Bible. It's too much. I just can't do it. It's gotten so bad that for me to do any of that, it would literally break my heart. So the second conversation comes about. Jesus actually has to tell Martha, the extrovert, go in there and tell this to Mary. And Martha goes in and she says, the teacher is here and he's asking for you. Like Jesus, Mary, is asking for you. And Jesus reaches out to Mary and she comes to meet him and she falls at his feet weeping. And she says this, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Second time that Jesus hears this, the first sister says it, now the second one does. You know what? We thought you loved us. We thought you cared for us. If you would have been here, my brother would not have died. And her words, like, cut to Jesus' core so much, so deeply, that the text says this, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her weeping, he was so deeply moved in spirit and troubled. The same man who said, I am the resurrection and the life. He says, you just have to believe in me when he's around the people and he experiences it because Jesus is 100% human and 100% divine. He's experienced everything you and I did. When he walked planet earth, he experienced everything we did and he experiences this human emotion and he all of a sudden, he's like, well, where have you laid him? And there are no more words exchanged between them. So Jesus goes to the tomb, the place where his best friend, the one that Jesus loved, is. And then he does something very, very surprising. Because you're thinking that in this moment, man, we're going to see the power. Something's going to be there. And this is what it says, that he came to the tomb and he falls to the ground, folks. And he begins to cry and cry and cry. And in the time of Jesus, mourning was something that was loud and it was overwhelming. And the scripture says that he wept and he cried and he breaks down. Now, the question is, why did Jesus break down? 
Why was he so emotional about this? Because he loved them. He cared for them. And he sees this pain and he sees this hurt and he's so overwhelmed with emotion that Jesus begins to weep. He begins to cry because he loved them. He cared for them. In fact, we see it again in the story in verse 36. It says this, Then the Jews said, See how he, what's the next two words? Loved them. He loved them. Folks, Crying or weeping is not a sign of weakness. It's actually a sign of strength. And both men and women throughout history have seen it as weakness. It's not. It's a sign of strength. It's that deepest emotion that we come to. And Jesus understood that when you love someone, when you care for someone, there is this crying, there is this weeping that comes. But it's not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of strength. When Jesus wept, folks, this is what you need to know. It's not because he lacked power. He had all the power of God. What he did instead was he showed the full measure of his love in the most human way. And he cried and wept when he saw them crying and weeping. And it's in that exact moment. It's in that moment, folks, that this is what we realize. God is not a cold-hearted God. God's heart breaks when ours breaks. God is not cold-hearted. God actually is broken-hearted. And when you weep, God weeps. When you hurt, God hurts. When your heart breaks, his heart breaks for you. He is not cold-hearted. He is broken-hearted to the needs that you and I have. So, does God care about what's going on in your life? Absolutely, positively, 100%. In fact, God cared for you so much that he sent his one and only son to leave, plant, to leave heaven, to come to planet earth for your very life. He dies for your sins. We just celebrated it a few weeks ago. He did that because of his incredible love for you. He is not cold-hearted. He becomes broken-hearted when we hurt. And he took every sin from your life. And three days later, he rose again and said, hey, now you can have eternal life with me. Abundant life while you're here on earth, when you stay close to me, and eternal life in heaven. Well, the story continues as Jesus comes to the tomb, and now we come to the third conversation. But in this conversation, it's kind of a one-sided conversation. Jesus goes to the tomb, and this is what he says. Roll the stone away. He says, roll the stone away. Verse 43 When he said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice. Everybody say loud voice. Loud voice. Now, why do you think Jesus had to use a loud voice? Because Lazarus has been dead. And dead people don't hear very well. And 
Lazarus woke up and he walks out and he's like, bed boy, you are no longer dead. You're coming back to life today. And the scripture says this, the dead man came out. The dead man came out. The dead man came out. Folks, God did not give them what they expected. He exceeded their expectations. You know, there are some stories in the Bible that I just wish I could be there. And this is one of them. One of my favorites. I wish I could have seen their faces when all of a sudden Lazarus walks out and he's like, I'm back. I'm back. And they're all looking around and they're like, he's back. Folks, this is the big take-home message that you need. It's the last thing you need to write down, but I'm telling you, this is worth the price of, of admission. And it's this. Just when you think God can't, God can. Just when you think that God can't, God can. Just when you think, oh, it's been two days and I'm not sure. Actually, it's right on time. And Jesus shows up in a huge way. Folks, just because whatever's going on in your life right now, you don't see it right now. It doesn't mean that in time, God isn't going to bring it about because he is an amazing God. He is a powerful God. He is a miracle working God. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. And he said, I'm bringing life to you. What you think is dead, I'm bringing life again. Whatever you feel is dead in your life, I can resurrect. God is always doing something bigger than what you can see, folks. God is always doing something much bigger than what you can see. And you know what? One day when you see it, you'll realize how incredibly God cared for you. How he was working behind the scenes, like behind the curtain of the civic. He's working in ways you can't see to show your, his love, his grace towards you. And if you will trust him, if you'll trust him, if you'll hang in, if you'll cling to him, someday, folks, someday, you'll see. Now, how do I know this? Because he guaranteed it. He guaranteed it. How did he guarantee it? He sent his one and only son to leave heaven to come to earth. Not because we're good, not because we're righteous, totally the other way around. We are flub ups, mess ups, screw ups. We do stuff all the time. And he said, I love them so much. I want to come down. But he said, I'm just not going to be a martyr who dies for a cause, the forgiveness of sins. I'm actually going to forgive their sins. But three days later, I'm going to rise again. And on that day, when the tomb was open and Jesus walked out, you know what he said? I'm back, I'm back, and I will never leave you. I will never leave you. I will never leave you. Let's pray.
God, right now we want to be totally open to your spirit. And so Holy Spirit, we welcome you to come. Take away distractions from what we're doing next or what's happening later in the day, time with mom. God, we want to take a moment right now just to do some business with you. Help us to be honest right now, God. Help us to trust you. And if there's something in your life that you've been praying for or something that just seems hopeless in your life right now, and it seems like God is just not listening, he's not hearing, he's not understanding, if it seems like in some ways maybe he doesn't care, if in some way you're like, where is God? But you really do want him to move, you want to see his miraculous movement in your life you want him to bring something back to life that seems dead if that's you if you're like man that's what i need there's this one thing in my life that i'm going through right now that i need god to move i need for him to show me that he cares that he's there i want to ask you to do a bold thing and that is just to raise your hand and say that's me that's me let me pray for you God, I pray right now for each hand that is lifted, that they're in a waiting season, God, and waiting seasons are difficult. There's such a struggle. But I pray right now, God, that you would remind them that you care for them. You never walk away. You're right there with them. Remind them that not only do you want to meet their expectation, God, you actually want to exceed it. And so, God, we pray right now that you would work in people's lives. Whatever struggle they're going through, we pray for miracles. We pray for healing. We pray for forgiveness. We pray for reconciliation. God, maybe some people are here today, and it's Mother's Day, but there's something going on that's holding them back from forgiving their mom. They've been holding a grudge toward them. Today's the day, God. Do the miracle in their life. Help them to know how to forgive even when it's difficult to forgive. God, whatever the greatest need that people have right now who have a hand held up to you, God, would you meet it? Remind them that just when they think you can't, you'll show up and you'll let them know that you can. You can put your hands down. Now, there were three conversations, but actually there's one more conversation, a fourth conversation that I'm going to ask you to have, and that's between you and God right now. Maybe for some of you, you just haven't had a relationship with him. You've been running away. You've been drifting away. Maybe for some of you, you had a relationship at one time, and, and maybe you've kind of started coming back, but you haven't really made a commitment to say, God, I'm in. I'm sorry that I've walked away. I've drifted, but today's the day. I'm just making, I don't have to make a big public kind of thing. I can just, between you and God, you can just say, today's the day. And if today's the day where you're like, I want to give my life to him. I want the assurance of him. That when I have those questions of where is God, does God care? I can be reminded there is one who overcame death. And just when I think he can't, I am reminded again through story after story that he can't. And so if that's you today, if today's the day where you're like, I need to give my life to him. I want 
him to be the center of my life, then I'm going to invite you into a prayer. And it's not a prayer that you pray by yourself, but it's one that we pray in community. Jesus loves you so much that regardless of what you've done, he sends forgiveness today. And three days later, he rose again so that you could have eternal life with him. And today that life is given to you. And he gives it to you as a gift to tell you, I care, I care, I care. And so if you would, uh, just join me in this prayer. In fact, if you feel comfortable, everyone just kind of repeat this prayer after me, but it's your prayer. Repeat after me. Heavenly Father, I give my life to you. Jesus, forgive me. Make me brand new. I believe you died and rose again so I could live with you. Fill me with your spirit so I could follow you the rest of my life. My life is not my own. Today, I give it to you. Thank you for new life. Now you have mine. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.